Who needs an alarm in the morning when McDonald's has sausage, egg, and cheese McGriddles and a breakfast cutoff? Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. A boy last week who was 16 in San Francisco told me on television, thank God we got him to talk. Maybe somebody will start to listen. He said, I got no country, I've got no flag. Now he's only 16 years old. And I couldn't say you do. I don't have any evidence to prove that he does. They were tearing down his house because San Francisco is engaging, as most northern cities now are engaged, in something called urban renewal, which means moving the Negroes out. Getting, it means Negro removal. That is what it means. And the federal government is an accomplice to this fact. But what that means is, is that you're no longer listening to the people in that community. Where will those people go? Yep. How will those people live? What is happening to generational wealth? And I'm sorry that I keep going back to this, no, but do. every time one of these decisions is made, every time we one of the these communities yep. is eradicated, you're talking about the loss of churches, schools, an entire way of life. 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 Welcome to Wow Black, a seriously opinionated podcast, bringing you the real and raw on anything happening while black. If black culture's there, we're there. If you're pissed or empowered, then let's talk about it. Ride with us on this all black everything. Everybody, welcome back to Wild Black. Welcome back, party people. Listen, I, I'm, I'm going to give y'all the real. It's going to be a rough one today. I'm hungry. I got this Chick-fil-A salad sitting right here. By the way, Chick-fil-A, give me some dollars. I'm talking about you. <laughs> and we're trying to have this real serious conversation. And I've been on 10 all day. We got prom stuff going on. We got kids at the house. I'm helping families out. We just got a lot going on. So, Wild Black audience, Forgive me as we get this thing started. I'm trying to make myself put the salad to the side just to get through this intro. Look. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie for a second. I forgot what we was talking about, fam. That's what a God I did. <laughs> that's what a God I did. That's the kind of day, right. we, that's the kind of day we in right now, which is beautiful. Hey, it's it real life. It came, it came back. I had to look at the screen. Like, mm-hmm. what are we talking about today? Who's on first? <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> look, I had this long intro planned out. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to look through what I got in front of me and give y'all some of these tidbits. Eminent domain. It's important. You're going to find out why in a second. Forget a light intro. Um, Matter of fact, you're not going to get any of this intro. We are talking about eminent domain today and its impact (laughs) on race, on us, on wealth building, on community, on neighborhoods. And none of this is scripted. So you about to get it real raw today. We've got another amazing guest with us as always. Another one. Matter of fact, we like DJ Khaled. Right. <laughs> Matter of fact, you all are super familiar with this brother. He is he is not a friend to Wild Black. He is like the super friend to Wild Black with tights and a cape and all that. He is. He is he he might as well just come on as a portion of Wild Black. He's been here so much. And every time he delivers, his energy is on 12 and a half. Every time. Not 13. He de- <laughs> every time he delivers. <laughs> so look, we're gonna welcome back to Wild Black. Brother Winfield Murray. Winfield, bro, welcome back to the show, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm happy to be here. 
happy to talk about this important topic um, that doesn't get talked about enough, if yeah. you ask me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Honestly, listeners, family, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm cheating you from this intro, but I don't have to teach you from this intro. I can't even do it today. So we gonna. I almost want to hear the intro. Yeah, I gotta. I mean, it's true, man. I, I, I could. You you want to you want to give it to him? You know what? Let's 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 wait. I'm. Uh, mm. <laughs> Go ahead and give it to us because I want to hear. You want to hear? Yeah, I do. <sighs> okay. This is this is something to listen to because it, it, it is it is definitely a little lent to it. Okay. So even as governments enacted administration in anti-discrimination laws, they carried out the practice known as urban renewal, which actively accelerated the decline of non-white communities made ready for redevelopment through decades of disinvestment. Mm -hmm. Using eminent domain, which is what we're going to talk about today, Mm -hmm. local governments snatched up the homes and businesses of black and immigrant communities at rock-bottom prices. Mm Rock-bottom. That's the flow. Replacing them with commercial developments or homes for wealthier families, displaced residents were left to seek shelter in segregated markets or in poorly managed public housing units. Decades later, social scientists, beginning with Oscar Lewis, blamed them for deteriorating life outcomes based on the theoretical culture of poverty that they absorbed and transmitted across generations. In Minneapolis, where George Floyd took his last breaths, 29% of those displaced by urban renewal between 1950 and 1966 were families of color. Wow. So they represented 3% of the city's population in Louisville, where Breonna Taylor was killed by plainclothes officers executing a no-knock warrant. You all remember this. 48% of households displaced by urban renewal were families of color. Though they made up 18% of the population. In Glenn County, Georgia, where Ahmaud Arbery was killed by a former police officer and his son while jogging, 93% of the household hosts displaced by urban renewal were families of color. Although they made up only one-third of the population. So urban renewal flowed into the largest infrastructure projects of the century with similar results. To carve paths through our cities for our U.S. interstate highway system, the government used eminent domain once again to divide and destroy thriving black neighborhoods. In one sense, it was hard to argue with planners' logic. You build roads where land is cheap. But why was the land cheap in these neighborhoods? Was it truly cheaper than alternative routes? In Minneapolis, St. Paul, federal planners and local officials decided in the 1950s to drive I-94 through the heart of Rondo, the social, cultural, and historic center of the area's black and immigrant communities, rather than use a nearby abandoned rail corridor. So they had something and chose to go through the neighborhood. Yep, it was it was a, it was a better option for for their purpose. Well, that project displaced 600 black families and shuttered 300 businesses. Dozens of cross streets were turned into cul-de-sacs, denying children direct access to their schools and parishioners, their churches. That's it. That's it. That's crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. And that's just a snippet of the game. It is. And, and listeners, just know. Most of the time, our intros are kind of off the cuff. This one, I actually pulled, where did I pull this from? From the Lincoln Institute of Land Policy. I pulled it from there. 
verbatim, like you, what, what, what we just read was an excerpt from an article because it did such an amazing job of talking through the devastating impacts that eminent domain have on us. The percent of black folks impacted versus the percent of the population that they represent, it's crazy. But one of them was 3% to 48% or something. It's, it's absolutely crazy. I'll link the, um, the episode. I'll link the article inside the episode. And as you can tell, today's episode is going to feel different because I feel different. So, <laughs> you that, feeling good over there. With that, Brother Winfield, welcome back to Wild Black Officially, man. Thank you. I appreciate it. I got to say, I'm glad that we did that intro, right? Because I think that those numbers and those stats are so important. I mean, it, um, it's sombering, right, yeah. to, to hear those numbers and the stats. And when we, as we move through the podcast, I'm sure we will talk in greater detail of how eminent domain impacts people and mm-hmm. the persons and the individuals. Yep. There are lives that are being impacted by this um, Basically, this law, right? Yeah, right. So, um, but the numbers are, are are sobering. Well, I'm glad you brought us back to it because I was sure about to skip it today. <laughs> <laughs> he was inspiring. He said, "You know, we might want to hear." You had built it up too, bro. Yeah, I, you did. I was about to start reading because I was like, "Man, this intro is kind of lengthy." Cool, but quite, well, let's get into this wild black shit. Quite well, let's do it. Uh, well, you you you've been wild black for minutes. You you know how this go. I do. Okay, yeah. let, let me let me look at this real quick. Let's He's honorary co-host let's at see. this point, right? Let's and see. we got more coming with him. Right, right. <laughs> but he ain't immune to this wild black shit though. He is not. Everybody, he is everybody not. get it. If people came, like Mike Tyson, anybody can get these hands, <laughs> and, and they do. Right. <laughs> 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 All right. So if any, if if people came with warning labels, what what do you think? the warning label of a racist would read? Um, you got me that time. I, I don't even know. What? Give me an example. Like, caution. Um, I could spit on you at any moment. <laughs> like, that would have been a 1960 was. Yeah. Caution. I'm a police officer. I might pull you over just to harass you because you're black. Yeah. Uh, Warning. Also, my unbaseless fear in the color of your skin may cause me to phone the police on you. Correct. Yeah, those are all good. Let's go with those. Because I certainly <laughs> right. can't. I like those. <laughs> Warning. I may shoot you because I'm afraid of you. Oh, wow. Yeah. If you went on a road trip and you didn't stop for a Big Mac or drop a crispy fry between the car seats or use your McDonald's bag as a placemat, then that wasn't a road trip. It was just a really long drive. At participating McDonald's. Scary though. Mm-hmm. But I know yeah. you're looking at me because you want me to come up with one. But I do. Those are great. No, I'm waiting on a good. No, you gotta give us one good. Let's see here. Um, hmm. I think because of where my mindset is right now, mm-hmm. like um, I have just been doing so much that has been really sort of like affecting or impacting me on a personal level, on a deeper level. Yeah. I think when I would think of a, a warning label for uh, a racist, it would be warning or caution, avoid at all costs. Mm. Ah. Right? I like, um, I like, I like so <laughs> I love the way you, you thought about that because he, he actually flipped it mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. it being a warning label for others. Mm-hmm. Correct. Yes. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Nice. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. All right. Number two. 
Oh shit, I got it right. You... <laughs> if you can have, <laughs> make this up as I go. If you can have an unexpected visitor, but you get to choose them, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. You get five minutes with them, maybe even seven. Mm-hmm. And in that five or seven minutes, you could talk any topic. Mm-hmm. And this could be any person, alive or dead. Who would you spend your five minutes with and what would you ask them? I made that up. That's a good Off one. The cuff. Yeah. You Love know, it. I'm going to say that it, for me, it would have to be somebody that's probably currently alive okay. and someone that can make an immediate difference now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it would be a politician. So let's just go with, uh, let's go with Joe Biden. At State Farm, we're committed to uplifting Black futures. In collaboration with organizations like 100 Black Men and National Urban League, State Farm provides high school students with the opportunity to learn and apply best practice strategies for saving and investing, all while offering academic support, life skills, and exposure to college access programs to prepare these students for life after high school. Check out 100blackmen.org and nul.org to donate and learn more. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What would, you, what would you ask him? What would you talk about? I think I would want to talk to him. Would, would it be Joe Biden or Joe Biden? Because we talk, we talk about both of them as black. Well, it would be the one that could effectuate change. So let's go. <laughs> <laughs> so let, let's go with Biden in this regard. Okay. But I, I think, you know, I would really want to talk to. I'm, I'm very pleased with the Supreme Court nominee, well, yes. now that she's been confirmed, right? But there's still so much that needs to be done. And, and I got to say, I, I would like to talk about um, the need for student loan forgiveness. Yeah. You know, and I, and I have to say, because working at an HBCU and seeing the struggle of students trying to pay for an education and how it's such a barrier to quality of life and being able to um, really give their full selves to things that they want to do. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you have $200,000 worth of student loan debt, there may be certain jobs that you really want to do, but you just cannot do because you have this debt that you have to pay off, right? And Mm. we're talking, and I guess one of the reasons that I'm thinking about that is because we're going to talk about eminent domain today. And eminent domain has washed away millions upon millions of dollars of generational wealth, right, for those people, for those persons that have been impacted by eminent domain. And we know that people of color have been impacted by eminent domain than any other group, right? So when you look at what eminent domain has done to black and brown people, and then you look at what student loan is current student loan debt is currently doing to black people. It's all these layers that keep people from building or having uh, living their best lives, yeah. so yeah. to speak. I love that. Mm-hmm. And obviously, there are so many things that I could talk to so many people about, but I think that that one goes to sort of what we're talking about today. Winfield, brother, I love that you are here with us again, man. It is um it is your ability to manage through um 
out, out of pocketness today that is that is that is impressive. <laughs> <laughs> he tied it together. Right. He, 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 he was like, let me help you to weave my brother. <laughs> so in honor of you, I'm gonna try my best to pull it together. I'm gonna start right now. We <laughs> <laughs> got the dope quote. Oh, my brother. Today's dope quote, much like the vast majority, is from the mouth of someone black and has relevance on the topic today. I'm going to read it, and then I'd love to get your opinion on it. What eminent domain law means in practice is that politicians have a right to seize your property and turn it over to someone else in order to gain campaign contributions and win votes by Mr. Thomas Sowell. When you hear that, brother, what comes to mind for you? Well, you know, what it, What comes to mind is, in a lot of respects, theft. Yeah. Government-sanctioned theft. Yeah. 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 <laughs> right. Gangsterism yeah. at its best, at its yeah. highest level. Mm-hmm. And, you know, this has been going on for a long time. This didn't just start yesterday, right? This has started back. How long did you say? It, this has been going on since the 50s and 60s. Long time. We oh, know. Yeah. We know that... Um, it was sanctioned under the Supreme Court in a case called Berman versus Parker. That was a 1954 case right. where we mm-hmm. went from public use basically to public value, if I'm not mistaken. And that's, that's huge, right? Because hmm. initially, if you're just going to take property, if it's going to be Used for there's a public use, there's a justification for taking the property for public use. And that's completely different than taking it for public purpose. And that, because that has now gone into, gone from public purpose to public benefit, right? And guess what public benefit can be? What's that? Pretty much anything. Yeah. Right? So increased tax revenue could be public benefit, public purpose, right? If we take this land and we're able to transform it, and the, there's going to be an increased tax revenue because we've transformed this property— then it's okay, right? If mm. we say that we're going to be able to increase um, job opportunities, that's something that's hoped for. There's, no, there's nothing that says that that's actually going to happen. We're hoping that there are going to be increased job opportunities by us taking this property and transforming it. Well, now we can do that, right? So when you look at it in that respect, there's really no limit you can always come up with something, right, to say that this justifies us taking your property, right? Mm-hmm. Because if we take your house and the house next door to you and we transform it to this, right, where uh, a business is going to come or, you know, it's going to increase, you know, patronage of the business down the street, right, then that works. That's enough. And so, you know, we've really just been on this really slippery slope since 1954 when the Berman Parker decision has come down, came down, yeah. right? And then that was reiterated in 2005 with the case of Kelo versus the city of New London, which really started to say not only public purpose, but public benefit, right? And when these two decisions came down, guess who was impacted? We, we talked first about people of color 
right, black and brown people. But usually they are neighborhoods not only that are predominantly black and brown, but on the lower end of the socioeconomic rung, right? And also communities where there is a lack of education. That was, you said something I want to go back into, Mm -hmm. but we've got to define this thing first. Mm -hmm. Void of the idea, the concept of race or any racial implications, by Mm -hmm. definition, what is eminent domain? What does that mean? Mm -hmm. So eminent domain is basically the government taking one's property, Mm -hmm. right? It means that we are going to come in, we're going to take your property, and we're going to compensate you for taking the property, okay? I think it would help if I could just read just a little quick blurb on the subject, if that's okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I think that this is important because it gives us a little bit of background, right? So basically it says, the Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution states that government shall not take private property except for public use and with just compensation. In Berman versus Parker, the Supreme Court held that eliminating blight qualifies as a permissible public use under the Fifth Amendment. In so doing, the Berman Court permitted Washington, D.C. to take a department store that was not itself in poor condition and to transfer it to private development corporations for the purpose of curing blight in the surrounding neighborhood, in which most of the residences, residents were considered uninhabitable, and beyond repair. Pursuant to that decision, the District of Columbia was able to expel some 5,000 low-income blacks from their homes in the name of urban renewal. Critics argue that the decision opened the door to the use or abuse of eminent domain by expanding the term public use to mean public purpose, an interpretation that they believe has no constitutional basis. Now, to take it a step further, during that time, remember, Berman versus Parker was decided in 1954. Right. It was so abhorrent to people that they referred to it as Negro clearance, meaning the clearing out of Negroes in in communities. That That one instance impacted 5,000 black families. Imagine if those 5,000 black families had been able to continue to live, continue to see equity in their property increase in value, right? Mm-hmm. When you take a person's property, right? Let's just do it this way. Let's, let's give an example, right? Let's say that I am living in an area where the home prices are thirty, forty thousand dollars. Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. You come in and you say, I want to take this property for you. I'm gonna give you thirty to forty thousand dollars for the property. And we're talking and I'm talking about now in 2022, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. If I do that, where can you go and buy a home for thirty to forty thousand dollars? Nowhere. Nowhere. And imagine if that's if that property is currently in the city, right? So that means that you are probably close to your job mm-hmm. or school yep. or that you're close to public transportation. Mm-hmm. If you have to get a new place, if you want to own something, 
you may have to move further out. Yeah. And maybe that particular area isn't serviced by public transportation. Yep. Right? What do you do then? Mm. Now, the next question, and you, let, you stop me if I'm going too far too fast. Not but at all. The Fifth Amendment says that you have to receive just compensation. Right. Right? So it's that. like, how do you quantify that? Right. So what you're basically saying is that just the term just compensation is vague. Right? What is just compensation? Is what's, it current market value? Exactly. What's just for you may be different from what's just for me. Right? Mm-hmm. And you're right. You're asking a good question. Is it current market value? So if I live, um, let's say, in West End Atlanta, and there are right. still some pockets, right, that maybe you can get a house for sixty, seventy thousand dollars maybe, okay? Right. But you know that the Atlanta Beltline is coming in, right? Mm. But you say, I'm going to give you, oh, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to give you $75,000 for the property. Knowing what it's going to be worth. Exactly. Market yeah. value says... That your house is worth $65,000, but I'm going to be nice. I'm going to give you $75,000. You're going over market. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're getting a deal. In three years, though, that same house may be worth three fifty. dollars yeah. may be worth four hundred. dollars Was that just compensation? Not in my they paid, opinion. They paid right. you market value, mm. but they also know what's coming down the pipeline. Right? Mm. They know yeah. that new parks are coming. They know that the belt line is coming. They know that new infrastructure is coming. They know that there's going to be new stores, new restaurants coming, right? And maybe even a mere six years from now, maybe that same property will be worth 700000 mm. And if you accepted that $75,000, right, what does that mean for your children and your grandchildren? Yeah. Right? They've just lost out on a windfall because you probably aren't going to be able to buy another property for that amount of money, right? Yeah. Especially if you're an you're elderly, you're a senior citizen, right? So that home that could have been um a wealth builder for children and grandchildren, that's now gone. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yeah. Right? That's wild. Yeah. That's wild. Now, mm-hmm. in, in the scenario that we paint now, right, mm-hmm. does the homeowner mm-hmm. have the opportunity to say no? I was going to ask that same or question. Or counter yeah. or negotiate. You know, you all are so bright. <laughs> you all are so bright. So, yes, but is it easy to say no? Not usually, right? If you look at one of the communities in Atlanta where they are having that fight as we speak, People's Town, and you can look it up. They have been fighting probably more than seven years. So, when you say no, that also means that attorneys are going to get involved, right? Now, the government's already going to have attorneys, right? They already have attorneys that are working for them, right? To help effectuate this eminent domain process. If you say no, that means you probably are going to have to get an attorney because they're going to take it to court. So then that means, right, do you have the money, the resources, Right to then wage war against the government governmental entity that wants to take your property by mm. eminent domain, right? Mm. So that's why it becomes complicated. That's why it becomes difficult. That's why it becomes hard. 
I mean, like so, sometimes we have conversations here, and it is just hard to swallow the reality of what happened. Mm-hmm. Like it is, I've always looked at eminent domain as like that five feet of mm-hmm. property in front of your house where your <laughs> mailbox. If they want to infringe on right. the extent the sidewalk, right? right. If they want to build a sidewalk, it's it's only been you know say relatively recently that I've given consideration to what this really means mm-hmm. and, and how historically we have created on and off ramps to the interstate that have destroyed mm-hmm. communities or the flip side, we choose not to create on and off ramps to mm-hmm. communities and destroy the economy. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. these people who sit in these offices with these pens and these pieces of paper designing and planning, they have a tremendous amount of impact on our tomorrow, like right. it is incredible when you really, really think about like the, the simple fact that if you build an interstate coming through an area and you decide not to put an off ramp someplace, what that can do to the community's economy, like in a matter of months, like mm-hmm. it is, it, it's like it's this is like what's what's the word, brother? Like what's the word that just says it? it's this is beyond evil? Like this is, I can't. This ain't the day for me in words. I can't, yeah. I can't even. There's a I word. I just don't know it. I think that we could really generationally do, devastating. <laughs> we like could insidious or something. I agree. I I really think that we could probably spend many of these sessions talking about how eminent domain has been utilized to really. I hate to say it like this, but I am going to say it like this, sabotage black communities, right? Because even when we're talking about the interstate, right? Most interstates weren't just pushed through a white neighborhood. They were pushed through black neighborhoods. Mm -hmm. And then when the interstates came through, right, residents who were left behind, you know, some— of the homes were taken by eminent domain so that the highways could be pushed through. Mm -hmm. But then the um, communities that were left were then separated from grocery stores and became food deserts, right? And that's just one of the other consequences of eminent domain because when it's done so, it hasn't always been done with, okay— there are all of these different factions and parties to think about. They're the people that are losing their homes because of eminent domain, but also there's no consideration for the people that are left behind. And when that highway comes through, the fact that they aren't able to get to a grocery store, the same grocery store that they would have gone to, now it's a barrier. The highway serves as a barrier. And it may be difficult for us to think about it, but if if we know that it's happening to black and brown communities, if we know that it's happening to communities on the lower end of the socioeconomic rung, that probably means that those communities and those households don't necessarily have access to cars, to transportation. Yeah. So when you do something like that... Safety issues now. Safety now. issues. Affordability of resources. Affordability and, and, and health, right? If you can't get to good quality groceries and produce, right? How does that impact your quality of life? And I think we've mentioned this before on the show, but, you know, we're now learning more and more that there is a direct connection between criminal justice reform Mm -hmm. and environmental justice reform. And so when I'm talking about lack of produce and, and fresh groceries, to me, that's also an environmental justice issue, right? Yeah, yeah. 
Not everyone would see it that way, but yeah. I see it that I way. I do, I do. Yeah. You said so many things, like inside the definition of imminent, imminent domain, that is just so subjective, mm-hmm. right? The, the cost, the, the value that we're going to assume for your home, the, the concept of the word blight in itself. Like mm-hmm. How do they define? What's, what's funny to me is, in most cases, it was the government and policy that created this quote-unquote blight that mm-hmm. they then take advantage of mm-hmm. and repurpose to, how did you put it, public benefit. Yeah. When they say blight, what does that mean? How are they defending and defining that? Well, I think it depends on the case. Mm-hmm. I think it's a case-by-case basis, right? And I think, you know, and, and I would have to go and look at some of the, the legal decisions that have come down and maybe they can sort of give us more insight as right. to what, how they define blight. But in many instances, from what I'm learning in researching this eminent domain issue, is that in many situations, what they're saying is blight some of these communities don't consider blight. Mm -hmm. Yes, maybe they are on the lower end of the socioeconomic rung, right? Right. Maybe they don't, the communities don't necessarily look like what their wealthier wealthier counterparts' neighborhoods look like. But that alone does not mean blight. But they have used the word blight to talk about even those communities where they are productive, where there are churches, where there are schools, where people are doing the best that they can to keep those communities alive. No, they don't have the resources that some of the other communities have. But that doesn't mean (laughs) that they should be tossed to the side. That doesn't mean that people should lose their homes. A lot of these people love the communities that they live in, right? They call the communities home. Right. And and we know because we've talked about it on this show that, you know, sometimes eminent domain has been used as a weapon. Right. I think we were talking about Lake Lanier and how the uh, African-American men were accused of raping a white woman and Oscarville and the entire Oscarville was decimated. And basically, we now know that. Oscarville and, you know, hundreds of cities across, hundreds of neighborhoods across the country um, have been taken through the use of eminent domain to build parks or to build um, a lake, water service, right? And you say, well, you know, we need this land, right? Because we're going, this is going to provide drinking water for the city of Atlanta, Mm -hmm. right? But was it considered, was this under consideration before the two African-American men were accused of raping the white woman? Right. Right. And um, mm. you mean to tell me in that particular time plan, because we're talking about, you know, years, decades and decades and decades yeah. ago, there was no other area closer to the city of Atlanta that provided, that could provide drinking water? I guess mm. that's how you effectively weaponize something. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Using law. Right. Yeah. Right. Wow. But at its at its most simple form, eminent domain means that I, as a person, could take it upon myself to go buy personal property that I own, that I pay mortgage or or cost on, that I insure, that I pay taxes against, and the government can come in and trump my private usage for public benefit, mm-hmm. and then justify that with no checks and balances, mm-hmm. and then tell me how much it's worth. Mm-hmm. And if I disagree, then they can lean on me with the force of the courts. That's right. Man, 
That right. is... That's OG, ain't it? It's vicious. But, but when you... But, so, if you were to think about this in the opposite context, to say, if you were looking at it from a pure legal standpoint, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. if it wasn't weaponized, mm-hmm. that would be how a country could grow to be amazing. Right? Utilizing methods like that in order to grow and expand. Mm-hmm. Right. The, 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 I think the opportunity is its application. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I got to say, like, you know, I don't know if I am necessarily dead set against eminent domain. I think that mm-hmm. there are some areas where maybe um, it could be a good thing. Yeah. But I guess what my problem is, is that historically, black and brown communities haven't been compensated. Yeah. In the way that they should be. And And you have to ask yourself, if eminent domain is so beneficial and they're providing just compensation, then why does it not happen to other groups as much as it happens to black and brown communities? Why is the consideration not more broad? Exactly. Why is it that it is black, brown, poor, and poor communities, right? So, like, if if there are other... um, races and ethnicities that are being impacted by eminent domain, they are also poor, right? So if eminent domain is a good thing and provides just compensation, why does it have to disproportionately impact black, brown, poor, less educated communities? And you see that happen over and over and over again, Yeah. right? Yeah. Important question because I I think we've, we've, we've delved into what it is, how it impacts black and brown folks in a significantly tremendous way. But one of the things that I want to talk about is how do you prevent it? How do you mm-hmm. predict it? Mm-hmm. What are the, the means in place to fight against it prior to the knock on your door that says, we want your house, right? Mm-hmm. Is this something that you can take up with your city planning commission? Can, can city planning commission, can you go and understand like the, the studies and the the projects that they're planning for the next 10 and 15 years, is this a uh, school, not school board, what, what's the... City council? Yeah, city mm-hmm. council meetings. Like, yeah. h- how do you get involved in this and create a stance prior to the knock on the door that says, we want your house in this whole block? How do you fight it before the gloves are on, I guess? So I'm going to give you my thought, but mm-hmm. I'm going to say this. I do not want what I'm about to say to sound as if I am blaming the community because I absolutely am not, right? But the way to combat this is that you're going to have to be vocal in your MPU meetings. What's MPU? MPU, Neighborhood Planning Units, um, City Council, like your neighborhood meetings. Like you have to be there. You have to be vocal. Now, what's the problem? Why is it? Why isn't? Why aren't more people doing that? Well, let's go back again. Let's talk about it one more time. Who? What communities are being impacted by eminent domain? Correct. Black Mm -hmm. and brown. Black and brown. But you said what? Poor. Poor communities. If you are in a poor community, that may mean that you are working a job where Mm -hmm. you are being paid by the hour. And if you miss a day, if you miss an hour, if you miss two hours, then yep. that directly impacts the Big amount impact. of money yeah. that you're bringing in, yep. right? Um, 
Sometimes the developers that are pushing these government entities to do this, right, know this. And they will say, well, you know what? We had meetings with the neighborhood and the community, but there was low turnout. But then you don't ask the follow-up question. Well, what day of the week was this neighborhood meeting? Oh, it was on Tuesday. Oh, and what time? What time was the meeting? Yeah. Oh, it was at 1 o'clock, 1.30? Yeah. Everybody at work. Everybody's what at work. What alternative methods of communication did you provide? Exactly. Yeah. Oh, well, we sent out an email. We, had a, we sent an email blast. Well, if it's a poor community, they right. may not all have access. Do they have computers. Do, do computers. they have Wi-Fi? Exactly. Yeah. Right? So... Yeah. All these levels they have to hide behind. Exactly. So why are... protected aren't, from it. I mean... Legally, yeah. they, they, these are things you got to do, right? Right, right. To, yeah. Why aren't these meetings being held at 7.30 in the evening or on a weekend, right? There may not ever be a perfect time because right. maybe people work on the weekend well, there too. Is a better time. But there it's is a better optimal. time, right? Yeah. And even just moving it from 1.30 to, to noon, maybe people yeah. can run out on lunch their lunch hour, break, yeah. you know? But to have it at 1.30, 2.30, to me, it seems like you are being very strategic and not in a good way. Not in a good way that's going to benefit that community, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. And well, you know it, what I think is hella scary? What's that? Let me tell you what's hella scary is that the decision in Berman versus Parker was reaffirmed, re-sort of um, doubled, they, the, the Supreme Court doubled down on that decision in the case of Kelo versus the city Mm. of New London. Mm -hmm. And this is what's hella scary, is that Justice Thomas was not for this eminent domain. He was actually against well, it. So that you means, said Justice Thomas, I assume. Oh, exactly. This the so I was like, we agree about something. We agree about something. In fact, um, I think I have uh, his words. If we can just hold on one second, I'll read to you. Absolutely. What That's he said. Hey there. Ever thought about what makes your heart beat a little faster? Oh, you mean like when you discover a new track that just speaks to you? Yeah. Or finding a movie that you can't stop thinking about? Well, get ready to feel that excitement all over again because Amazon Prime is here to take your entertainment and shopping experience to the next level. Absolutely. Prime isn't just about getting your packages quicker. It's about diving into a world of endless possibilities, from the latest releases to exclusive content you won't find anywhere else. And don't even get me started on the music. Prime offers concert specials that will transport you right to the front room. It's like being at the hottest gigs without leaving your living room. I use Prime to tap in with some of my favorite artists' live shows from any and every genre of music. Trust me, Prime is a game changer. It's like having a personalized superstore and entertainment hub right at your fingertips. So why wait? Head over to Amazon.com forward slash Prime and start experiencing entertainment like never before. The So first, let me say this. Justice O'Connor, she predicted an act at predicted adverse consequences resulting from the majority decision in Kelo versus the city of New London. Sheik says, and I quote, any property may now be taken for the benefit of another private property party. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. But the fallout from this decision will not be random. Mm-hmm. The beneficiaries are likely to be those citizens with disproportionate influence and power in the political process, including large corporations and development firms, 
As for the victims, the government now has given license to transfer property from those with fewer resources to those with more. The founders cannot have intended this perverse result, meaning the founders of the Constitution. Mm, Um, And then Justice Clarence Thomas also dissented, noting, allowing the government to take property solely for public purposes is bad enough, but extending the concept of public purpose to encompass any economically beneficial goal guarantees that those losses will fall disproportionately on poor communities. Now, I'm blown away because I don't think I've ever agreed with something that he said. Right. But he, and in this instance, he's standing up for poor communities. If it's so bad that that Justice Thomas says it's like, my goodness. (laughs) This must be horrible. We must not even know the extent of the horrors that's going to come from this. Right. And Mm. then Mm. I thought that Justice O'Connor's words were so invaluable. You know, when she said that the, the beneficiaries are going to be large corporations and the victims are going to be poor black and brown. Not random implies exactly. very specific. This is strategic. We know what we Exactly. Know. Yeah. Yeah. Can you can you break down a little bit Kilo versus mm-hmm. New London? Yeah. You you've mentioned that a couple times now. Yeah. Um let me circle back to that one now. Okay. Yeah, let me circle back to that. Mm-hmm. One. All good. All mm-hmm. good. All good. I think that's interesting though. I, that's a like strategically targeting that piece of and and Eminent domain is in the Constitution, right? Yes. Like to weaponize that, I think is I think it's only fair that they do that. That's what they've been known to do. Yeah. Right. So and it's rooted in greed. In the Constitution. Mm-hmm. Like if mm-hmm. I get the ability to 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 acquire assets more from underprivileged or unbeknowing individuals, then they see that as simply an opportunity. So I could I could understand. The, the unfortunate pieces of weaponizing that. It's interesting that the Supreme Court would uphold it if it's truly for the people, knowing what you just what you just read. Exactly. It tells yeah. me it is for the people, but it's which people. Which people. Right, right. Which yeah. is always the case. Like which which, which people, people are we talking about? Yeah. Here? I know we we know which people we're talking about. So yeah, we need to change that to humanity. Exactly. Yes. I will say that, you know, when we're talking about whether eminent domain falls under the Constitution, we know, as mm-hmm. we said earlier, that under the Fifth Amendment, right, it sort of outlines this, right? Mm-hmm. But we also know that it is these cases, the Supreme Court cases, that breathe life into the Constitution. Supreme Court cases are interpreting the Constitution. It's mm-hmm. giving life to the Constitution. That's why the Constitution is considered a living document, yeah. right? And so when you asked me about Kilo, mm. I wanted to go back. The reason I wanted to pull this up really quickly. Yeah, yeah, no worries. And I just thought that this was just a fantastic take on Kilo. So it says, in one of the most reviled decisions in recent history, the U.S. Supreme Court on June 23, 2005, upheld in Kilo versus the city of New London the government's use of eminent domain to take someone's private property and give it to another for private economic development. The Kilo decision marked the first time the U.S. Supreme Court approved eminent domain for purely private development Mm. under the public use clause of the Fifth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. Traditionally, the power of eminent domain had been limited to taking property 
for schools, roads, and other unambiguous public uses. Now, what, what year was that one? 2005. So all of a sudden, eminent domain uh, was privatized. Yes. I, I came in here and yeah. said, as a private investor, I want that land. And I Basically. can go get it. Yes. Right. And I think I can make the argument that it's going to... See, that's lift. different. Yeah. Like, that's, if, that's if you give us this land, we're going to put a shopping mall there and the tax base for the city is going to increase. You're going to see increased tax revenue. It's going to be a game changer, right? But what that means is, is that you're no longer listening to the people in that community. Where will those people go? Yep. How will those people live? What is happening to generational wealth? And I'm sorry that I keep going back to this, no, but do. every time one of these decisions is made, every time we one of the these communities yep. is eradicated, you're talking about the loss of churches, schools, an entire way of life. Right. And future. this has been That's somebody's future. This has been happening so to strange. black and brown communities forever. I mean, when we were brought to this country, we were stripped of our culture, our identity, of all of that. And mm. eminent domain is essentially doing that because you have residents, residents who have lived in some of these communities for 50, 60, 70, 80 years. Right. This is what they know. And when you take their home by eminent domain and they're pushed into another neighborhood when they're pushed further away, mm -hmm. again, that's part of their identity. It's yeah. wild to me that yeah. we've had a bunch of conversations on this show now about wealth building and, and it always ties back to land. And when I think about our history, now we're talking about eminent domain. We, we know redlining. We know blockbusting. When, when Jillian was here, she talked about stolen land and how people could push back their property lines over time and take more land. It's like we, we've seen this play out so many times that property ownership, land ownership is a direct linkage to wealth building. And we are on the short end of the stick time mm -hmm. and time, time again. again. My question okay. here is, as powerful of a topic as this is, as impressive, like honestly, even though we're on the losing end, it's an impressive concept to come up with a way to steal your land from mm -hmm. you, right? Someone mm -hmm. figured that one out like they did all this other evil shit that we were subjected to. Why don't we know more about this? Why was it only in the last few years that I realized it was more than just the five feet where my mailbox sat? Mm -hmm. How come with all of these court cases, with all the property, with what happened over in, 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 in Hilton Head, South Carolina, what happened down in Miami, what's happening on the, the south side of Atlanta, what you call it, pe people's, people's city, town. People's town. Right. Like, why is it that we don't know more about this? Because mm -hmm. they are whooping our ass with it. I think one of the reasons is because... Um, some of these cases just don't get the media attention. Yeah, they're not sexy. Right? Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's not what the, the larger audience probably is concerned or cares yeah. about. I mean, if it's not impacting my community, if it's not yeah. impacting people like me, if it's not impacting people in my tax bracket, then, yeah. then you know, let, let me hear yeah. about something else, right? So if if that's the attitude, right, then yeah. it's not going to get the type of attention. Yeah. It's not going to bring the same type of draw. Now, I will say that I think People's Town has gotten a good amount of local attention, mm. right? And I think that that's because the residents there have been putting up a formidable fight. 
But a lot of times you just don't have the resources, the wherewithal. Um, You can't take off days and days at a time to try to fight for your home as much as you may love your home. And and notice, I think out of all of the podcasts that I've been on, I've Mm. never mentioned the word love as much as I have in this particular Mm. podcast. It's because I really want that to be the message that we're taking something away that people not only value, but that they love. They love their homes. They love their communities. And oftentimes their voices are being silenced, right? And they don't have an opportunity because they don't have the same access to resources to be able to fight the same way that maybe even us in this room can, right? And that to me is the real tragedy. Yeah. I think one of the things you you talked about was you know, in, in poor black and brown communities where there's a different set of circumstances that don't allow us to organize it and fight the way we can. I compare it to the neighborhood I live in now. And for the last two years, I live in a, a small neighborhood. It's mixed, but it's still majority white. Mm-hmm. And they are fighting a like, tooth and nail out of the POA, out of, out of pockets, hired an attorney because the city is going to take, like, I think it, it literally might be six feet of property on both sides of our entrance mm-hmm. and the neighborhood doesn't want to lose the sign. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I'm sitting here thinking, I'm watching how they're fighting because they don't want to lose a total of 12 feet that's going to keep them from having, I say them like I'm not in the community, but like uh, there's a sign and all mm-hmm. it says is the name of my community at the front. It's mm-hmm. about a eight foot sign. Mm-hmm. And they are spending thousands and thousands of thousands of dollars and winning, mm-hmm. Right. Over twelve feet in a sign, yeah. And I'm sitting here looking at look, looking at what happens to us, and well, I forget the numbers, but it was like five hundred homes, three hundred businesses, yeah. like yeah. But the resources in order for to, for, to I know, be able to combat vastly different of, of that just, magnitude is 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 unique, right? I, I, it man, yeah, like it's unfair. Yeah. Right, but mm-hmm. I can see the 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 rooted greed of why you would want to do that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I could. I kind of think about it because when you were talking, I'm like, man, that feels like like a community genocide. Like you get to go yeah. in and just dismantle a community that may have been there for you know two, three hundred years, mm-hmm. and, and no one is even going to consider or talk about the long term implications of, of what should have been, what could have been the. The futures, because you're right. It's it's access to schools and churches and jobs yeah. and healthy food, but, community. Right. The even right. bigger picture than that is, what are you stopping that should have come out of that community mm-hmm. that was going to change the world? That's right. That no longer can because he or she can't get to school. That's right. Because he or she doesn't have the brain food they need to function and to excel. Yeah. Like that. That is that's wild. And remember, this is happening in the South. Yes. But we have seen cases of it in New oh, York yeah. when it comes to mm-hmm. Central Park. Yep. Like portions of Central Park used to be black communities. Yep. Seneca Village. Exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. All Chicago the way Zoom. over to yep. Oregon. Yeah. Right? So we're talking about as far away as Oregon, down to Georgia, up to New York. So that means that no place is immune. Yeah. Right? No place is no immune. Place. So don't think that you're safe just because you stay in the North or that you stay on the West Coast and it's more liberal out there. Yeah. Right? In fact, there was a, a case and I. I don't quote me on this, but where um, uh, African-American uh, family had owned a beach out in California mm-hmm. and um, that was taken. I think they this have the recently they just gave it back. Gave it back. Yeah, right. yeah exactly. Yeah. Right. But imagine that's one case out of one hundreds case. Of yes, hundreds. exactly. And it was a beach. Yeah. They owned a beach. 
And so one day, you know, and I'm not going to talk about this in great deal on this particular podcast, but I am doing research currently. You know we're going to have you back. You know we. <laughs> you lay it out too much. This is a, a preview. Right. It's a preview. We need to make a snippet. Introducing Winfield, the monthly co-op. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be here. Okay, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, you know, I'm, gonna, I'm doing research on how eminent domain has impacted even my family. Yeah. You know, and um, it was actually a, a, a neighborhood where... Um, Black people had created, you know, some very nice homes. They had had very nice homes. But I think in my research that I'm finding out is that there was a level of jealousy um, among people that weren't black and brown. Yeah. And they lost that home. Uh, and, you know, they were fortunately able to buy another home. But... Did they receive just compensation? Probably not. Absolutely not. not. Right? Yeah. Because my great grandmother doesn't even didn't even like to talk about what happened, mm. right? So clearly there were some bitter, hard feelings about yeah. some of that, right? Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. That's wild. I was I was doing some studying and I was <clears throat> Jillian had brought up the fact that as late as the seventies and eighties that Hilton Head, South Carolina was like ninety percent black owned. Mm-hmm. And as I was reading, I learned that that was prior to the bridge that linked the mainland, <coughs> excuse me, the mainland to the island. And once they built that bridge, in came the developer. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they used every tactic available, including eminent domain, to take all the beachfront mm-hmm. and then <laughs> all the interior. Because now, now Hilton Head is like 3% black owned. And that happened in what? 40 years? Yeah. That's wild. That is wild. That is wild. And that's the example that we can talk about. So I'm sure if we dig just a little bit, you'll find many, many more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Winfield, brother, anything else that you can think of that we need to know on this topic? Because honestly, man, I'm, <laughs> I came in here flustered because I couldn't get my shit together. Now my shit together is I'm flustered because I can't change the world. This is heartbreaking. Like, it, it's absolutely crazy. It the links that, the lengths that people and this country go to to take from us. Well, I got to say that that is the value and the importance of podcasts like this. Yeah. To disseminate this information and make pe- make sure that people are aware. Yeah. Because as long as these types of things are happening under the radar, the more prolific they will become. Yeah. Yeah. The more they will occur. The more they will happen. Um, and so, you know, I, I want to thank you all for even giving a platform and an opportunity to talk about some of these types of issues that are impacting black and brown communities to such a degree. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Art, brother, you got anything? Hey, be on the lookout. Like, yeah, I, th- this one is crazy because, yeah. like, if you think about land, property, that's the biggest, like, that's the only real asset that we ever really acquire. Yeah. And we didn't if, talk about the fact that there's air rights. Yeah. Oil, mineral like rights. Everything that's happening like, when you take that. That is, yeah. And then the, the optional <sighs> choice is so limited. It's just, it's just disturbing, right? And, and if I you think, think about it across cities that are growing in value into like, that's the right. city, that's, that's right. really where it's, that's it's right. really unfortunate. And I mm. think the... Like valuation is is that's the crazy part because yeah. if you gave someone if you could if you could come to the negotiating table like and I'm thinking about solutions now because I'm like right. man that hurts um, but if you could come to the gate the table in good faith and and say hey you know what mm-hmm. in ten years this house is gonna be ten times the value so I'm gonna give you ten times the value mm-hmm. and some type of 
genocidal community bonus that I'm gonna have to throw mm-hmm. on top because of just the, the nature of what we're about to do. Yeah. Like that's like that sounds fair, but that's completely counter to greed. But here's the thing. Yeah. Right now, at least, you know, not just the city of Atlanta, but I'm going to talk about the city of Atlanta. Home values are increasing so yeah, rapidly, rapidly that it doesn't even take 10 years. Mm-hmm. You That's could true. literally have a house that was worth 60000 in the West End yeah. that is now worth half a million dollars. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? In a year, two exactly. years. Exactly. Oh, yeah. 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 And, and, and so that's what I think is... It's just so unfortunate. How might you that can't be really a game changer that. for a family? Correct. Yeah. Right? Correct. Maybe they would want to sell, but if, you know, because they're going to get that type of compensation. Correct. But that can send somebody to college. That can be Correct. a game Absolutely. changer. That can allow me to get another property. Right. Safely and comfortably where it doesn't impact my lifestyle exactly. in such a way that it destroys my ability to right. build wealth. Maybe I decide future. I do move out further, a little bit further out, yeah. but I pay $300,000 for a house in cash, so I don't have a mortgage. Correct. And now I now I have 200000 left over to buy a vehicle and send a child to school. Exactly. Yeah. Invest See, in the stock market, build my own wealth, right. do something. Yeah, exactly. like that is what I think good faith capitalism is. Mm-hmm. And so it just disturbs me so much when you hear mm-hmm. like stories like this, because that's, that's, that's how you weaponize it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Winfield, brother, end of the episode. You know how we do it. We always hand the mic over to our guests. Share anything that you want to share with the listeners, bro. The one thing that I want to say at the end of this episode is I'm disappointed because I wish that I could offer more solutions for this type of topic. You know, I think that it is grossly sad that, you know, Berman was decided in 1954. As recently as 2005, they doubled down on that decision. and when I think about the number of families that have just lost out, I just want to encourage people to stay vigilant, stay, you know, engaged in their community. When you can, attend neighborhood meetings, attend neighborhood planning unit meetings, stay engaged with your city council if you can. And I know people work and they have families, but, you know, as much as you can do, try to do. Because yeah. if you don't, there's someone out there that is more vigilant than you that doesn't have your best interest at heart that will leave you in a place that you don't want to be. Yeah. Man, rough. Listen, Wild Black, I don't have any words of wisdom. You heard it. Great information. Needed information. Share this episode. I think people need to know more about this. Tell your your brother, your sister, your mother, your father, tell your friends, your grandfather, tell someone about what you learned here today because it is starting the conversation and arming us with the information that is going to help us identify a solution or at least get our gloves on tight so we can punch back a little harder. With that, Wild Black, peace. We out. Love you. Everybody loves McDonald's fries. So, yes, you accused your mom of stealing some of your fries on the way home. Um, but the bag did feel a little light. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.